you know, uh, Bill Johnson, who's an American uh, writer and leader, he said this. He said, the hungry listen to learn. The satisfied listen to critique. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you hungry? Are you hungry to learn? Are you hungry to receive? Or are you just full up? And you just want to critique? You just want to stand on the edge? Or are you hungry to experience? Are you hungry to receive? Are you hungry to learn? You know, over the last few weeks, as Dan and Laura and Simon have been speaking to us, I've learned such a lot from what they've brought, what they've served up, what God has served up these last few weeks. Father, we, we want to learn. We want, we're hungry, God. We've just sung it. God, we're hungry to wait at your feet. We're hungry to grow. We're hungry to experience. God, there's nobody here that I think would really say, oh, I'm full up. But God, we are hungry for you. We're hungry to learn and we're hungry to grow and experience. And God, I pray that you put within us an insatiable appetite today for you. And Lord, as we look at your word and then later as we respond and continue to worship, God, I pray that you'd open up something within us, Lord, today. And perhaps for some of us that this could be fresh and new. And some of us perhaps are so full of life's, of life's difficulties or life's stuff that we haven't had any space to grow and to develop. But God, today we want to grow and we want to be hungry for you. So Lord, I pray that you'll help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? It's great to see you. Um, we are set a table out and... Um, you know, over the last five weeks, we've done this, been doing this series, Come Dine With Me. Yesterday, we had a great morning with the men. We kind of kicked off a new men's ministry. Yesterday morning, which was great, and there was a lot of muesli in the place. Not. But there was a lot of meat, and uh, we have been looking at meat, uh, and we've been looking at fish, and we've been looking at bread, and we've been looking at wine, and today, we are looking at fruit. Have you ever thought uh, to yourself a question like this, there must be more to life than this? Is it only me? It must be because of my age that I'm asking that a lot. There must be more to... Have you ever thought of that? Has anyone ever asked that question? And last week, Laura talked about teenagers that have got this desire to want to change the world. And and they say there must be more to life than this. But it's not just teenagers, because then you get married. And sometimes married couples look at each other after a period of time and say, there must be more to life than this. Uh, And then you get kids, and you know the rest. And then you get older and older. And then sometimes you get towards towards retirement, and you say, is this all there is? You know, I'm just working 20, 30. 30, 40, 50, 80 years, whatever we're going to have to work in the future, you know, <laughs> there must be more to life than this. Well, you know, the Greeks had two or three words for life. The two most popular words for life they had was one was the word bios, which is where we get biology from, and that's the eat, sleep, work, existing kind of life. The other word they had for life was zoe, not a woman's name, but a Greek word called zoe, and it literally means life in all of its dimensions. Life in all of its dimensions, not just existing, but really living. I believe that God has put within every one of us a hunger for that kind of life. There must be more to life than just eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep, work, drop dead. There must be more to life than that. And there's an insatiable desire within us, a hunger for beyond. There's a hunger for more. There's a hunger for beyond. I want you to listen to this poem. I will not die an unlived life. 
I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days, to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, more accessible, to loosen my heart until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance to live so that which came to me as seed becomes blossom and that which comes as blossom goes on to fruit. And I'm not really a poetry kind of guy to be honest, but I love some of the thoughts in that. I choose to inhabit my days. I choose to live my life, not just to exist. And I believe God has put within every one of us a hunger for that, a hunger for beyond, a hunger for more. And I want to suggest to you that the more and that the beyond that we hunger for, God sums up in one word and it's fruit. You may have noticed two trees on the stage. Anyone not noticed? You've noticed two trees. And actually, I want to use this illustration. This is not original to me and I've used it here before. A guy called Rob Bell, I first heard do this illustration. But I'm going to take that and then I'm going to expand it even a little bit further than Rob Bell. So how about that? Okay. And because it's a really, really powerful illustration. And he talks like this, that in the beginning of recorded time, gets a little deep here, right? so stay with me. In the beginning of recorded time, when God talks in the beginning of Genesis about interacting with his creation, especially with humanity, there's a symbol that's right in the beginning of time and it's a tree. It's a tree in the Garden of Eden. And then at the end of recorded time, in, Genesis, in Revelation 22, right at the end of the Bible, when God is, if you like, going to wrap up recorded time and a new heaven and a new earth, there's a river and right there, on either side of the river, there's a tree. So what, what this illustration is about is that at the start of recorded time, there's a tree. At the end of recorded time, there's a tree. All of life is lived in between the trees. Now, however long God gives us on the earth, whether it be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, is all lived in between the trees. And it's tiny, isn't it? If you think that this symbolizes or represents all of recorded time, and of course we don't know how long that's going to be before God wraps it all up, your life and my life is really, really tiny, really small, potentially really insignificant, but not. You see, before this first tree, there was eternity and there was God. And beyond that next tree, there's still eternity and there's God and there's us with God. And of course, eternity is not linear. It's multi-dimension and all that. We won't go into that, all right? Because we'll all get confused and lost. But basically, all of life is lived between the trees. Now, here's the interesting thing. As I've looked again at this illustration, I noticed something that I'd never seen before. That actually... In the, on the first tree, it's not a bauble, there's fruit. And on the second tree, the Bible recalls that there's also fruit. So isn't it interesting to notice that God marks the beginning of time and the end of time with fruit trees? I want to suggest to you that God is absolutely obsessed with fruitfulness. He's totally fixated on fruitfulness. In fact, the very first words that God said to created being, to man and woman, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, that that God, sorry, Genesis chapter 2, that God said, Genesis chapter 1, 28, God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful. The first words that God ever said to us, be fruitful and increase, multiply, go beyond. It's interesting that he'd already said that to the animals. He'd spoken blessing of fruitfulness over the animals. It's interesting that... um, the Jewish psyche, the Jewish mindset was all about blessings. 
And you could have all these blessings in the Jewish faith, but the greatest blessing of all was fruitfulness. Because the very first one that God spoke as a blessing, as a promise over mankind was fruitfulness. It's interesting then to me that God spoke to Noah after the flood about fruitfulness. God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and he said, you and your wife are going to be fruitful. In fact, so fruitful, there's going to be so much fruit, it's going to be like the sand on the seashore, it's going to be like the stars in the sky. It's going to go beyond. It's going to go beyond. And then he said that also to Abraham's son Isaac. And he said that to Isaac's son Jacob. And then Jacob's son Joseph in Genesis 49, it says of Joseph that you're a fruitful vine whose branches climb over a wall. Your fruit is going to go beyond as well. And if you look through Moses and you look all through the Old Testament, fruitfulness, fruitfulness, fruitfulness. Then in Matthew's Gospel, you see an old couple, in Luke's Gospel, in in the Gospels, you see this old, barren, fruitless couple called Zechariah and Elizabeth. And God, the angel, comes to them and says, you're going to be fruitful too. And they have a baby, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus appears, John the Baptist is already preaching. And his message is, and he says, you guys need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It's like God is totally obsessed with fruitfulness. And then Jesus begins to teach about fruitfulness as well, doesn't he? And he says, you'll know people who are really connected to God, not by what they wear, not by how much they know, but by their fruit. That's how you're going to know them. And then he tells all these stories and parables about fruit, and he looks at a fig tree, and he says, imagine the owner comes to a fig tree, and there's no fruit on the fig tree. What does he do? Well, he examines it, he digs up the root, He puts dung all around it. He gives it every opportunity to bear fruit. But if it doesn't bear fruit, he's going to rip it up. Not just because it's not bearing fruit, but because it's taking up space. And that's important. And it's like God is totally obsessed with fruitfulness. And I want you to know this morning, God is obsessed with your life being fruitful as well. Not because he's trying to just get something out of you, but he loves you so much that he knows that you weren't created just to do bios life. You were created for Zoe life. You were created for multi-dimension life in all of its fullness life. And you're not going to be satisfied unless you're living that kind of life. So because he loves you, he wants you to be fruitful. Amen? God wants you to be fruitful. And then it goes on in the, in the New Testament teaching in Romans 7 verse 4. You also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to one who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear, fr- we might bear fruit to God. Colossians 1.10. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. I've got five talks to do this morning, all right? It needs to be one, but it's really five. So just bear with me. There's so much that I think God wants to say. Then in Galatians 5.22, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I've got a bit of a confession to make. Some of you know this about me. I don't like fruit. I never have liked fruit. As I've got older, I know it's good for you, and I'm trying. Okay, the only fruit that I eat is an apple. I can eat apples, but I just don't like the rest of the fruit. Now, if I come to your house and you serve me fruit, I can eat it, all right? But I don't really, years ago, I couldn't have done it. I just don't like fruit. Now, the weird thing about me and fruit is I love the taste of it in that sense. And I love like fruit flavored stuff. I just can't stand the texture of fruit. Like for me, pineapple is demonic. It's like, it's from the dark side. It's like the texture of pineapple and grapefruit. Now, before you judge me, all right. Before you judge me about texture, in the last 12 months, I've eaten uh, um, stomach, 
I've eaten eyes, I've eaten ants, and I've eaten scorpions. So I'm up for different kinds of food, all right? And for different kinds of textures. But me and fruit, I just don't get it. And when I look at the fruit of the Spirit, of course, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Peace, love, joy, goodness, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Very easy, if I look at that, to do what I do with fruit. I'll have, I'll have goodness, because that's the only one that I like. But you see, interestingly enough, the fruit of the Spirit is not plural, it's singular. Paul says, you need to, this, this, is, this is what I want you to do. You, you produce the fruit of the Spirit. What, the fruit. There's only one fruit of the Spirit. It's just got nine flavours. So it's not multi-choice, like me and apples. Like, I, I, well, I, I'll be good. I just don't want to be faithful or gentle or patient or self-control. I'll be good. But actually, no, Paul says that, and God says, actually, I'm so, I'm so into you, I'm so uh, to you, I'm so for you, I want you to produce this kind of fruit with many flavours. It's not multi-choice, it's all of them. And I want to suggest to you that God has placed you and me somewhere in between the trees that you and I could be fruitful. And I hope this morning that there's a hunger within you to be fruitful. And I want, to, I want to show three areas where I believe this is important. The first area is I think that there, there, there should be a hunger for fruit that goes beyond the walls. See, as a church, our prophetic, uh, and if you, if you don't know what that word means, it's like when God really speaks to a group of people and it's something like foundational to us. Many, many years ago, um, like in the 80s when, when I don't think I was even born, to be honest with you, many years ago... Um, <laughs> It wasn't really that funny. Before I was here anyway, this church had a prophetic word and it says, your fruit will overhang the walls. That's out of Genesis 49 about Joseph. And this is the idea that what happens here within us as a community isn't just about us, it's going to go beyond our walls. Now I want you to know that is coming true. Do you know that? That is coming true. I want to, um, microphone, I want to invite James just to come up on the stage. Would you just welcome James and Morgan Freeman. Thanks, James. Thanks. It's amazing, like to me, that the relive resource and stuff, that's all part of fruit overhanging the walls and going out into schools, and that's amazing. But yeah. you, just a couple of weekends ago, you being overseas somewhere, do you want to just tell us briefly what you were doing? Yes, um, I went to Bahrain. Bahrain, wow. Yeah, Bahrain in the Gulf. Um, very tiny, small little country with about a million population. Um, and I was working with uh, Bible Society and uh, local churches. Uh, doing uh, children's ministry. So I was mainly doing kind of Bible storytelling um, in six schools. I was there for two days and about 1,500 people in all in the two days. Got to hear about the gospel. Wow, fantastic. That Bahrain's been on the news quite a lot, unrest, all that kind of stuff. Was that a concern (laughs) for you or not? Yeah, um, I didn't really see any of that. Okay, I mean, I know okay. there is political unrest. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, I was staying with a pastor, and he said, oh, the, uh, last night we um, had tear gas drifting down the street okay. in front of us, but, but that, was, that was all I... As you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, okay. no, I mean, it, it is struggling. Economically, yeah. the country yeah. is struggling yeah. because of that. Yeah. But the church... Um, I mean, this is... I've been to other um, yeah. Gulf yeah. Um, yeah. states... Um, and it's just amazing to see how ch- the churches, yeah. even though they're in an Islamic state, yeah. and the, 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 the government tried to put the church like out in the suburbs yeah. to keep it all contained. And they yeah. can't, they yeah. can't um, 
evangelize. But as, as the economy grows and, and uh, development builds, the yeah. church has suddenly found itself right in the middle of the community. Wow. So the church is really making wow. a difference. And because of these countries, there's quite a large expat, yeah. um, very large expat mm. uh, population. The church is encouraged wow. now. Fantastic. And it's, um, it's fantastic. So... Right. And I know that because we've chatted that some of the other visits you've been on, James, you've trained kids workers, like two or three hundred at a time. And, and wh- yeah. where do they, what kind of countries do they go back into? Um, well, I've been to two or three conferences, one in Lebanon, one in Dubai. And uh, they've had uh, children's workers coming from Iraq, Jordan, right. um, yeah. Syria, um, Almost wow. any All those or any Middle wow. East country you could wow. you could name. Tra- some travelling at great risk to come yeah. to this conference. Yeah, yeah. There's it's just such an incredible passion yeah. for for yeah. Um, for ministry wow. and for God uh, amongst the churches wow. and, and sharing the good news, particularly with children from what I've witnessed. So that's amazing. I mean, I wanted you to hear that because you know just because so, you're aware of what James is doing, but but also because that's part of us. Do you know what I'm saying? James is part of this church. That's part of fruit overhanging the walls. And can you imagine that? Two or three hundred kids workers in those countries, then going back to those countries, working with hundreds of kids. That is amazing. Mm. I, I just think it's incredible, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that, James. Bless you, mate. Thank you. Let's get... Wow. Let me just give you a few other, just very, very quick stories. Two weeks ago, when... James was in Bahrain uh, with the tear gas. I was in Bulgaria and uh, we were there celebrating 10 years of New Way, which is the youth movement that we started like 10 or 11 years ago. And what started with 50 young people, there were 2,000 young people at the event and many, many other thousands that are part of that whole movement that weren't able to be there. And as I just kind of was a part of that and we were beginning to pray and plan for the future and to make it more evangelistic and to go kind of into other unreached parts of the country... And then I started to think about, and actually, out of this, we're now working together in Albania. We have now got invites to go into Kosovo and into Romania. And you just think, what started as a very small thing now is bringing fruit. Let me just give you a personal story. A woman came up to me, and, and she's like tears rolling down her cheek, really. It was so moving. And she said to me, in the summer, you prayed for my daughter, who's 15, and she was filled with the Spirit. And actually, I met this girl when I arrived there, and she came to me and says, you know, when I was filled with the Spirit, she spoke, speaks great English, and she says, my relationship with God has been amazing since the summer. So brilliant. And the mother came to me, and she said that, and she says, but you also prayed for my other son many years ago, and he gave his life to God. Then you prayed for my other son, and he gave his life to God. He says, and at the time when they gave their lives to God, I wasn't a Christian, neither was my husband, but we saw what God did in our kids' lives and your ministry and the ministry of your church was instrumental in that. And so we gave our lives to God as well. Isn't that amazing? Now I want to tell you those stories. And you might sit there and think, oh, that's just you, Leon. That's what you do. And that's what people who go to Bulgaria do. No, that's what we do. That's what God does through this church. Because if you didn't pray and you didn't give and you didn't release, none of that could happen. You need to know, folks, that the fruit is overhanging the walls. I haven't even touched Zambia and other places like that. But overseas, God is doing something here which is impacting beyond the walls. But it's not just overseas, it's right here in our own community as well. Tragically, we have a need in our own community for practical expression as well. And in November, we fed 107 people through the food bank. Now that's tragic in one sense, but also great that we're able to do that and to step in and help people. And even coming up to Christmas... 
You know, you might know people on Christmas Day who are going to be on their own. You might be on your own Christmas Day. Some people in this church, out of the goodness of their heart and out of what God's doing, have volunteered to give up their Christmas Day. Not the staff, people in the church, to give up their Christmas Day and provide a meal for people, which I think is absolutely unbelievable and brilliant. And so if you know people who are not... um, who are going to be on their own Christmas Day, or you yourself are going to be, please come and talk to Janet at the end of the service, and we'd love to create some space for you. And there's lots of other things. You know, I'm really excited that um, our, young, our young people, you know, we're running a thing called Quest. Uh, some of you know that. It's like an evangelistic explore type course, alpha type course. And we've got some young people that are on that. And uh, they've started to go to that. In fact, some of them started to come to church as well. The fruit is overhanging the walls. But we want it to be more so as well. And next year, we're, we're launching something new for us. It's not new for the church generally, but it's new for us, really. And I want you to take a quick look at the screen, and this will just introduce it for you. Now, the real reason that I showed that is um, Bear grills with his shirt off, I know, will keep my wife engaged with the talk. So that's kind of the, the main... The, no, seriously, that's true. Uh, so that's kind of... But the other is, is because we want to launch Alpha in the new year. And uh, we did it before years and years ago when it first came out. But it's kind of been redone a bit. And we want to launch it in, in the new year. And Simon Woodward is putting a team together that are going to do that. I want you to think and pray. Who could you invite to that? Because that's one way in which real fruit could overhang the walls. Could you imagine that next year you might be part of introducing someone to connect with the God, the creator of the universe? Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, if I do that, if you do that once in your life between the trees, that'd be amazing. But you know, many Christians don't ever have the thrill of seeing someone personally come to faith in Christ. That's part of what God means when he says you'll be fruitful, you know that. Seeing other people come to Christ. But you know, fruitfulness is not just about what the church does, because the church is us, the church is you. So my question to you is, is the fruit overhanging your walls? It's easy to think about walls with a building, but what about walls in your life? Because actually, the fruitfulness of this church is not defined by our projects. It's not defined by what we do centrally. It's defined by who we are as a people. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, that's all right for you. You go and do that. And James goes and does that. And Simon's doing that. And Janet's doing that. And Dan's doing that. But actually, I'm just trying to exist at work. I'm just trying to get through my life. I'm just trying to do my family. And that's all good. But I tell you what, you are meant for more than that. You are meant for more than that. You are here in between the trees to be fruitful and for that fruit to overhang your walls. And I wonder how many of us have allowed the enemy to build walls around our life. Perhaps wars of our mind. Leo Tolstoy, the author, said, we lost because we told ourselves we lost. Now many of us have erected walls around our mind that says, we, I, will never be fruitful because of whatever the reason. We lost because we told ourselves. We can't because we tell ourselves we can't. We shouldn't because we tell ourselves we shouldn't. We den because we, we tell ourselves we den. Others have spoken over us, but ours is the responsibility to bring the walls down. God wants you and me to be fruitful, for that fruit to overhang our walls. What about our past experiences? How many of us have had past experiences, which if you like have built walls around us. Well, I got hurt there, wall, I'm never going to do that again. No fruit. This happened to me, I'm never going to trust again. Wall, no fruit. Somebody once said, when you repress 
or suppress those things which you don't want to live with. You don't really solve the problem because you don't bury the problem dead. You bury the problem alive. It remains active inside of you. God wants us you know, to, 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 to engage with tearing down those walls so that the fruit that God is producing can overhang the walls of our life. What about our fears? You know, I think the older you get, the more you fear. Anyone ever think that? I mean, when you were young, you kind of did lots of stuff. But when you get older, you can have a bit more fears. You know, like a good night out has to finish at 10 o'clock, the older you get. Do you know what I mean? And a risky venture is going out without a coat. You know, I mean, it's like, whoa! You know, so Bear grills that's like a whole different level. You know, Gideon, Gideon built walls because of his background, because he said, I'm the least in my tribe. Moses built walls because of his ability, because he said he stammered. Esther could have built walls because she was a girl in a man's world. Jeremiah built walls because he was young. But Caleb could have built walls because he was old. Do you know what? God says, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh, on men and women, on young men and young women, on, on black and white, on rich and poor, on educated and on uneducated, on trendy and not trendy. God doesn't care about any of those wars. He says, I'm going to pour my spirit out and you're going to be fruitful. Is there a hunger inside of you to be fruitful? A hunger for fruit that goes beyond your walls. Secondly, what about a hunger for fruit that goes beyond your own life? The key word here is legacy. I've just finished reading a book that a friend of mine gave me. It's called To Plant a Walnut Tree. And it's written by a Christian, but it's written in the context of uh, management and leadership development. It's the whole idea that as a leader or as a person, you know, as you go through your life, you tend to think, and certainly uh, in leadership and and business, this is often like this, that you're going to reach your optimum at a certain age in your life, and then you'll get to your retirement age, and then your life effectiveness and fruitfulness is going to begin to go like that. That's a lie from the enemy. Because actually, your fruitfulness should go like that all the way through your life until your final moments, if you're able. Not by doing more and by having all those jobs, but by giving more to other people and leaving a legacy in the lives of others. And if you take a walnut seed and you plant it, it takes so long to germinate that you often don't see the fruit of the tree until after you've gone. And the idea is that in between the trees, God places us here not just to live our life, but to take our life and plant it to be a legacy for others. That actually the call on our life is not just about us. In fact, it's not about us. It's about God and it's about others. And the book is phenomenal. And I've just ordered a load and I'm going to give them to people because I just think that God is speaking so much to me and I think to others through this. And you know, if we want to have a legacy. It's about passing on to other people. Just do me a favour, just with the person next to you for a moment. Just ask them, ask that person, what is something that somebody else has passed on to me, which is really valuable? I'm not talking about artefacts, but something that they put into your life, that they've invested into your life that's really valuable. Would you just do that just for a moment, just with the person next to you? If you're a visitor, don't freak out. We don't do this every week. Okay, um... You're enjoying that too much and laughing, so you're probably not talking about what I asked you to talk about, but that's fine. So just, just give us an example. Anyone want to just say one of the things that was mentioned? What's one of the things that someone's passed on to you that's valuable for you? Wisdom. Wisdom. Music. Music, okay. Respect. 
patience, work ethic, acceptance. We could go on and I would suggest to you that the majority of things that we receive from others that are really valuable to us aren't, are really quite intangible stuff. Do you know what I mean? They're not like um, things that you could say, that's what it is. They're, they're things like values. They're things like attitudes. They're things like mindsets. Those are really, really important. You know, we're going to pass on to other people. You know, if we try and pass on all the stuff we have in our life, it's irrelevant to other people. I mean, our kids don't know what green shield stamps are, all right? Or <laughs> Corona Pop or cassette tapes. See, some of you are nodding, you know, ah, they ain't got a clue about that. They're not in, that's not relevant to them. But values and faith and character and wisdom and experiences, they're really valuable. And the Bible says in Psalm 78, verse 1, Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He goes on to say, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. Excuse me. And so it's like God saying that actually you're here on this planet not just to take up space for yourself, but to live your life and give your life for the sake of others. Your fruit will go beyond your own life. Isn't that amazing? Do you know, I think some of the most incredible people in the kingdom of God you've never heard about. Because they're people who gave their life, they planted their life as a walnut tree and others received the benefit of it. And if this subject, and we're going to talk about this a lot in the new year, I believe, and going forward, this issue of legacy is important. You're interested, you've got a hunger for legacy. Let me just tell you something. Legacy is less concerned with ourselves, our own reputation, our own success and our own significance. It's not about you. I know lots of people that want to create a legacy because actually it's all about them. Because they want to be successful and they want to be significant and they want to be known. Legacy is not about that. It's about other people. It's not about you. It's more concerned with passing on values. It's about giving away. It's about laying down. It's not about power. It's not about glory. It's not about any of those things. It's about servanthood and putting... And I wonder what kind of things are we passing on to the next generation. This is not just relevant to parents. This is relevant to all of us. You know, right through history, through church history, we've passed on some really bad stuff. But occasionally, you know, there's some fruit in there and we pass on some great fruit to the next generation. And it may be that some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, well, that's all very well and good, but this has happened to me. And you may have walls around yourself in this area as well. Perhaps you say, well, I was never mentored. Nobody ever passed anything on to me. Well, I want to say with all love and respect, stop whining about it and you start being a mentor to somebody else. But I've never had it happen to me. Well, if you keep passing that mindset on, everybody's going to say that in the future. You see, we're the people that we've been waiting for. Do you know what I mean? When are we going to start to do that? I wonder how many of us living between the trees have ever led anyone to Christ or have ever discipled anyone in Christ. And if the answer is none or very little, guys, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. We say, God... God, I want to have a hunger for fruit that goes beyond my own life into the lives of others. The final thing I want to say is a hunger for fruit that goes beyond time itself. 
eternal fruit. If you've got a Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And um, Dan brought this, uh, some of this text to our staff devotions a few weeks ago. It was very helpful. And I want to just refer to it and then refer to a little bit after it as well. And Paul, who writes this passage here in 2 Corinthians 4, um, he says some amazing words in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. How many of you know that's true? I wish it was. Outwardly, but there you go. We're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Then he says, for our light and momentary troubles. Now, just step aside for a minute. Our light and momentary troubles, the ones he's referring to, okay, in his life where he was shipwrecked, persecuted, stoned, beaten, whipped, flogged, put in prison, went without food, went without... They're not light and momentary troubles to me. But Paul says they are light and momentary troubles. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. When I'm in between the trees, he's saying, and all this bad stuff's happening to me, it's light and it's momentary, and it's achieving in me an eternal weight of glory. That's amazing. What's happening to me now is not the end of the story. Because God is at work in me. And God is doing something in me and in this circumstance which has eternal value and eternal significance. And this is his key. Next verse. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. I want you to know, folks, If you follow Christ, and I know that most of you do, some of you don't yet, and we'd love it if you did. God would love it if you did. But if you do follow Christ, or when you do, and you live in between the trees with a connection to God, you need to know that you are not just a temporary being, you are eternal. There is an eternal dimension to your life. And we fix our eyes not on what is seen, which is temporary, but on what is unseen, which is eternal. Let me just give you three things on this. An eternal perspective, a perspective of beyond, gives us the ability to give ourselves now to what really matters. You know, the Bible talks about you build your life and, and he talks about wood and hay and straw and it's going to kind of be burnt and it will disappear but there will be some things in your life which aren't wood, hay and straw and they're eternal and they'll live on forever. I don't know about you but I want to build my life like that, don't you? Don't you? I only get one life between the trees I don't want to just give it all to wood, hay and straw. I want to give it to something that lasts forever, that's eternal, that has value and significance and weight. Somebody once said, we build our lives on the eternal and we squeeze in the temporary, not the other way around. You see, many Christians build their lives on what is temporary and they try and squeeze in the eternal. Well, I go to church, so what? That's great, that's a good thing to do. That is not necessarily building your life on the eternal. Building your life on the eternal is when everything in your life, the foundation of that, you clear the whole deck. It's about God and it's about eternity and it's about what really matters. The temporary stuff, we'll squeeze that in. And so what is the eternal stuff? It's really simple. Three things. It's winning others for Christ. It's being part of the cause of Christ, which is the transformation of the world, as Laura said last week. And then it's growing the character of Christ, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Those three things are going to last forever. You know that. When we win others for Christ, that's eternal. When we're involved in the cause of Christ, the transformation of the world, that's eternal. When we grow the character of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, become more like Jesus, that's eternal. Everything else is temporary. 
And it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge, isn't it? To say, am I building my life in such a way that it's built on the eternal and the temporary stuff is squeezed in or is it the other way around? The second thing about an eternal perspective is it gives us the ability to deal with what the earth throws at us. If you, if you look back a few verses, and this is the bit that Dan brought to us, verse 8. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed or confused. Anyone ever feel like that? At the moment, like crazy world we're living in. Just perplexed and confused. But Paul says, we are perplexed, we are confused, that's real, but we're not in despair. And then he says, we're persecuted or we're threatened, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. I just think that's an awesome thing, isn't it? It's like whatever life throws at us, it's real and it hurts and it affects and we're not denying it. But you know what? Underneath, there's a but. There's a but because we have an eternal perspective. And because we have an eternal perspective, it doesn't mean that this stuff doesn't, doesn't hurt us or damage us or, or, or whatever. You know, I, I can't get this out of my head. Last weekend... And I know that for some of you this won't mean anything at all because you're not into football, but it's not a football story. But what happened to Gary Speed last Sunday? I, I was the football manager of Wales and I watched him on Football Focus on Saturday being interviewed. He's 42 years of age, successful guy. By all accounts, had a lot of friends and just like everything. Do you know what I mean? Wife, kids, home, money, no problem. Everything. Seven o'clock Sunday morning, hangs himself. Now we don't know the details and I don't want to get into that, but I just look at that and I think... How can that be? How can that be? And this is not a judgment at all. This is my heart is really out for his family and just, and also for people that perhaps, even people in church that get so desperate that they never ask for help. If that's you, please, in God's name, please do not be so proud that you aren't asked for help. It is not a sign of weakness to admit that you need help, it's a sign of strength. But, but I look at that and does life ever get so bad that you are in despair? But you know, an eternal perspective should mean that life never gets to that point when you are in despair. or You do get despair. I understand that and you get, we get depressed. I understand all of that. But an eternal perspective gives us an ability somehow to endure what the earth throws at us. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that it's not real. And finally, a, a, an eternal perspective gives us the ability to look forward with hope, not just for this life, but for the next. You know, I, <laughs> living between the trees, how many of you know life is tough, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, the more I go on in pastoring and leading church and getting involved in people's lives, I look at some people's lives and I think, crikey, how on earth do you get out of bed in the morning with all that you're coping with? And we've all experienced stuff like that, haven't we? But I tell you what, an eternal perspective means that this life is not all that there is. You know, many of you have asked about Simeon, and we really appreciate that, our youngest son who's now in residential care because of his complex special needs. And we often, you know, we, we, we're grateful for, for the provision that's there, but often we'll come away, like yesterday, from seeing him, and, and it's tough, and we'll often weep together. And we ask him, God, when are we ever going to have a conversation with our son? Not had a conversation, really. In 17 years that you'd call a conversation. We may never have a conversation in between the trees. But one day we will. One day we will. Because life is not just all about in between the trees. There's more. 
There's a beyond. There's an eternal perspective. Doesn't take away the pain sometimes. Doesn't take away the confusion. We're perplexed. Do you know what I mean? We're struck down. We're hard pressed. But, but, not in despair. But we're not abandoned. Because there's an eternal perspective. And so if in you there is a hunger for beyond, there's a hunger to be fruitful. That in between the trees, you say, I want my fruit to overhang the walls. You know, I want, I want my fruit to go beyond my own life. I want to leave a legacy. I want my fruit to go beyond time itself. The question surely then is, how do I do that? Well, I want to give you seven steps to fruitfulness. Not. Because that's junk. There is so much of that around in our culture today. I want to tell you, the answer to be fruitful is not found in any steps to anything. The answer to fruitfulness is found in one name alone, and his name is Jesus. If you want to be really fruitful, I don't mean you be fruitful, and you be important, and you be successful, and you be significant, and you reach your potential, and all of that stuff. If you want that, go for it. If you want to be really fruitful, there's only one answer And his name is Jesus. And in John chapter 15, if you got that for a minute, John chapter 15, Jesus uses this kind of image that we've got here of a vine, if you imagine, a tree and a branch and a fruit. And this is what he says in John chapter 15, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain, or in some older translation says, abide, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing. This is really important. Really important chapter in the whole Bible. You see, in the, again, in the Jewish mindset, they thought of themselves, and they are referred to in the Bible as the vine. And they think of themselves as the vine. But actually, Jesus comes along and says, listen, to one degree that's true, but in a real sense it's not, because I'm the true vine. You see, what the Jewish people thought, that because they were Jews, that meant they were blessed of God, which they were, but it meant that they were intrinsically fruitful. But God says, listen, you're not fruitful because of who you are, you're fruitful because of your relationship with me. So I don't care whether you've been to Bible college, I don't care whether you know Greek, Hebrew and Aramaic, I don't care whether you do all this for the poor and you do that and you do that and you do that. If you are not connected to the vine, you ain't bearing any fruit. Now you might be doing things, But you're not bearing eternal fruit. And so Jesus says, I'm the true vine. What you are is the branches. Now, in the Middle Eastern world, vines grew at a crazy rate and were very random and very wild. They needed a lot of pruning. And Jesus says, listen, I'm the vine. You guys are the branches. My father is going to prune you. (laughs) And so when you're not fruitful, he's going to cut some stuff. And when you are fruitful, he's going to cut some stuff. (laughs) So here's the good news this morning. Either way, we're going to get cut. Isn't that great? So if you want to be fruitful, the only way is pruning. And pruning is always painful. And pruning to me is about the internal work that God is doing through the Word, through His Spirit, through the renewing of our mind and the healing of our heart. 
And can I say, it's the reason why many, many Christians not only are not as fruitful as they could or should be, but why many Christians give up on following Jesus. The reason is they don't want to pay the cost. Because when God gets too close and God wants to do some internal work, we don't want to do that because actually we want to build our lives on what is temporary and we want to feel good. And so we kid ourselves that by feeling good and not letting God do the internal work that we're going to suddenly have this great life. And do you know what? We're not. But when we let God put his knife to us, and do you know what? That knife is a knife of love and of tenderness. And the worst thing God can ever do to us is take his hand off us. But because he loves us so much, he prunes us. When we're fruitful, he prunes us. When we're not fruitful, he prunes us so that we can be more fruitful. Isn't that amazing? But we don't want to often pay the cost. And the fruit that comes from this relationship, from being connected to the vine, is the fruit of eternity. It's winning others for Christ. It's the transformation of the world. It's the character of Christ. It's those things that go beyond the temporary world. Now, we do this by remaining connected to the vine. Abiding, connecting, remaining. It's a little bit like, Imagine a person that's really weak in a certain area and they're always being tempted and they're falling. And they find someone else who's really strong in that area and they stay connected to the person. And all the time they stay connected, then then actually they're not falling. But the minute they lose their connection, they begin to fall. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? That's what it means to remain in Christ. It means that we don't do life on our own. We remain connected to Christ. And Jesus modeled that by the way in which he lived the rhythm of his life and his relationship with his father. And so what we're going to do as we finish this morning, I'll ask the guys to come back. So we're just going to take the last 15 minutes, which is not a long time in between the trees, is it? Do you know what I'm saying? We're going to take 15 minutes of our very busy lives and we're going to worship Jesus together. And I'm going to invite you, I'm going to invite you to reconnect with the vine this morning. And it may be for some of us, you know that life has thrown so much at you. You're so hard pressed, you're so persecuted and 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 struck down that you've lost that connection with the vine maybe for some of us this morning that actually walls have been built around us walls in our thinking walls in our because of experiences walls because of our fears we long to be fruitful but we just can't seem to get past the walls don't focus on the walls don't focus on the situations just focus on Jesus he's all you need he is all you need and as we worship him this morning I want to encourage you to open up your heart and you might think well if I open up my heart then he might get the pruning knife in and it'll hurt a bit well he's only doing that because he loves you and because he wants you to be fruitful and if you have a hunger for fruitfulness you've got to open yourself up to the gardener you've got to do that or it isn't going to happen So we're going to just sing a very simple refrain together. And then we're going to invite him to come as we worship him in this place. Maybe this morning that you stood there and you're saying, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, I kind of, I need this as well. You know, I need a job. You know, I need this. I need healing. I need this situation. You're feeling hard pressed and perplexed and you've got all these real situations. I understand all that, but I want to say all you need is him. I know you need a job and I know you need all that other stuff, but all you really need is Him. 
It's not saying that you don't need those things, but all you really need is Him. Because the Bible says, you seek first Him, His kingdom and His righteousness, and all this other stuff will come. So it's not that you don't need all that, but what you really need is Him. You really need is Him. And it's so hard when we're in tough situations in between the trees to think like this. So hard. But when we do what Paul says, we look not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary. That tough thing that you're going through, which you think is forever, I want you to know it is not forever. It's temporary. But your relationship with God is forever. It's eternal. So we're going to continue to worship. And if this morning there are situations, there are walls around you, or there are situations pressing in on you, and you're saying, I really want to be fruitful, I really want to reconnect to the vine, then we'd love to pray for you. Okay, and we'll give some space here if any of you want prayer this morning. But I want to encourage you, in doing that, you're not bringing the problem to look at. You're bringing the problem to leave and to focus on Jesus. And some of you might not need that. Right where you are, then you just worship God. All of you is enough for all of me, is what we're going to sing now. You are my supply, my breath of life. And let's reconnect with the vine again. And out of that reconnection with the vine, God will bring the fruit. You don't have to work hard. You just have to remain and connect it to the vine. And God will produce the fruit. So if you need prayer this morning, you've got circumstances pressing in on you, or there are walls around you and you need prayer, then come and respond and we'll pray for you. But let's worship God together. Amen. Let's worship Him. All of you is enough. I just want to pray for you as we finish this morning. We're going to sing one more song as we go out. The, other, the song we're going to sing as we go out is a real declaration of, of what we're about, really, that, that we want to know God and we want to press on and you know, we want to stay connected to Him and move forward with what God. But I just sense that there may be some of us in this room and you were fruitful. You knew, you know that you were fruitful for God. But right now, you don't feel like you are. Right now, you're in a situation where you're saying, do you know what? I don't know what God's doing in my life. I just don't see that for I don't understand. I'm perplexed. I just don't understand where, where, where I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be. Do you know what I mean? All that, I just don't see that fruit. I really want to pray for you this morning. I believe that God wants to release you into a new era of fruitfulness to Him. It's not short-circuiting the remaining in Christ bit, but I believe that God wants to release you into a new area of fruitfulness. If that's you this morning, I want you just to put your hand up. If you feel that, yeah, I used to be fruitful, but I'm just not sure right now. I just don't see what God is doing. Just raise your hand for a moment. I want to pray for you. Many of you. Many of you. Oh, God. God, I want to pray for all these dear people here. Just raising their hand up and saying they love you. They want to know you more. They want to be fruitful. They were. They're just not sure right now. God, I want to pray that you'd open some doors. I pray, Lord God, that you'd speak prophetically to them. God, I pray you'd speak through the word of God as they pray, as they seek that. And God, I pray that you'd release them to a new level of fruitfulness in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that their fruit would overhang the walls, not because it's about them, but because of what you're doing in them. Lord God, I speak against any words that have been spoken over their lives that have been restricted and that have killed the life of that. God, I call those power of those words to an end in Jesus' name. And Lord, I release them. We release them, Lord, into fruitfulness in your name. God, I pray that they would remain in you. They would abide in you. Lord, that they would die to self. And that out of that, Lord, you would bring the fruit 
that you want to bring in their lives. So Lord God, would you release them to fruitfulness, I pray. Would you release them to fruitfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.